It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. That seems to me like government is establishing a religion. The latest in politics and world affairs. If you give people rights, women's rights, gay rights, whatever, there can't be equal rights if there's special rights. Today's current opinions and ideas. Surveys show that that people still really prefer freedom versus force. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, valued. You have purpose. Today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, we were made for this moment. And uh, thank you to this team that I get to work with. That's producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Jen, Echo, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Tuesday to you, producer Steve. Uh, yeah, we call it Terrific Tuesday. I'm fired up here after, I mean, I had a ton of things. I got my sticky notes all over the console, for one. But after listening to the preceding show, it's like, mm-hmm. man, I'm really stoked. So I think I should change this. Welcome to the Producer Steve show, and uh, I'm just going to let you take it. How's that? Don't go there. That's that's not fair to the listeners. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Continuing on here, check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. You can sign up for our weekly newsletter there, and you'll get first look at our upcoming guests as well as our most recent essays, our most recent podcast. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. And my friends, it's never compassionate to take other people's stuff, whether or not it is their rights, their property, their freedom, their livelihood, opportunity, or their lives via force, whether with a weapon, policy, unpredictable and excessive taxation, fear, coercion, government-induced inflation, or the World Economic Forum Davos Globalist Elites Agenda. And this Globalist Elites Agenda, my gosh, we're starting to see it really play out. And it is really hurting everyday people across the globe right now, Steve. It is. And I watch bozos like George Soros and the things he's doing around the world and the amount of money he has to spray around the world. And I keep asking myself, is there nothing that can be done? Can his assets be frozen somehow? I mean, good governments come together and say, wait a minute, this guy is up to no good. And we we just can't let him keep doing what he's doing. You know, that's such an interesting question. As you say, freezing his assets, I mean, that seems like... That seems like something to do. However, this is how freedom is is being used against us. Because if we as a government would freeze assets, um, I guess you'd have to prove that it's trying to undermine the American idea. And then that might be the case to do that. But um, they use our freedom against us, Steve. And they're using our freedom against us very effectively right now. Well, the campaign to buy district attorneys around the country, I mean, all right, thank God, the people of San Francisco were smart enough to, you know, do the petition thing, and they got their DA. What they what did they do to him? Recalled. 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 And now they're doing the same thing in Los Angeles, and I wish them well. So, I mean, when you have the visible proof of what's happening, and, and a great city is going down the drain, circling the drain. I mean, I'm not. You know, I hear what you're saying in terms of the freedom thing, but man, when you see things happening like it's happening in San Francisco, what are you going to do? 
Well, and and then um, you go to what's happening down at the southern border. There's nothing compassionate about this. And, of course, yesterday we talked a little bit about Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser, who um, said that, I guess it was, um, is it Doug Ducey, uh, governor of Arizona, and you said Greg Abbott with uh, governor of Texas were busing these uh, illegal aliens that are coming across the border because of policies com- or lack of policy, we should and both, I guess, lack of policy and policy coming out of Washington, D.C. So they're busing these uh, these people to Washington, D.C. It's overrunning the homeless shelters. Yeah. It's overrunning all the public um, entitlement benefits that uh, are being passed out. And she said, oh, the federal government should take care of this, not Washington, D.C. Well, First of all, it's not the proper role of, of uh, the federal government to be taking care of people like that. It's way out of its lane. The proper role of government is to protect our borders. So um, I wouldn't even say they're using our freedom against us. They are not doing what their job is and, and that is um, outlined in the Constitution. They're way out of their lane on one hand and not doing what they uh, are supposed to be doing on the other hand. And again, think about it. Everyday people that are working and paying taxes, they're paying money to then take care of these people that are coming across the border illegally. Uh, There's nothing compassionate about that, because if you break America, if you break us, where will people go? You don't see people lined up to try to get into China, or you don't see people going across um, uh, the um, oceans or... or, or, um, Gosh, is it, well, yeah, I guess it's the Atlantic Ocean to get to Cuba. You don't see people trying to knock on the door to get into North Korea. And so here we have an administration that has wide open people coming in and then having them live off of hardworking people that are having a hard enough time. When you take a look at these headlines, there is one that said, I can't, uh, I'll, I have this other one that we wanted to talk about, but that uh, because of inflation, it is costing everyday families, just inflation, almost $6,000 a year. That's inflation, not talking even about the taxes that people are paying for these uh, illegal aliens to come in and uh, be on public entitlement programs, Steve. Well, okay, now I got all kinds of things bursting at the seams here. What did you say last week, and you have said several times, in during the Trump years, how much money was put back into the pockets of the average working American? It was almost $6,000. So we're talking about a $12,000 um, uh, you know, um, movement. Yeah, a swing. Uh, and, yeah, and you're, you're right on out. track with what I'm thinking. A $12,000 swing, and it's like if people could just wake up to what has been done to them just in the last... How many months? How many, you know, one and a half years, 18 months? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and okay. And the other thing, we spent a lot of time talking about controlling the narrative back to the mayor of Washington, D.C. Now she comes out on CBS Face the Nation Sunday morning and said, well, she's pretty sure that these people are being tricked into getting onto these buses. I asked you yesterday off air, I wonder if Ducey and Abbott were Democrats, whether she would have... Uh, the whatever to say that that she probably wouldn't have made a statement like that had those two governors been Democrats. Do you not find it interesting though that the places that the Democrats have been targeting for um, these illegal aliens to go Arizona, Texas, Florida they're all red states. I mean there is a strategic uh, it, I mean it's hard to believe but there is a strategic move to uh, change the demographics, that change the voting patterns in these states to try to assure 
uh, Democrat victories uh, in these elections. And um, if we and what it is, it's it is a manipulation. It is a degradation of American citizens vote. And by gosh, we need to we need to recognize what's going on there and and vote these people out of office. That's why this whole election integrity uh, question is so important. There's so this we didn't just get here overnight, Steve. This has been this has been um, incremental year by year by year. And the problem is, is Republicans have not had the guts to go to the founding documents and say, wait a minute, stop. And so we've got we've got great conservatives, but we also have Republicans that have reached so far across the aisle that they're on the other side of the aisle, Steve. <laughs> and and I just saw yesterday there's a couple dem oh, three or four Democrats who are lining up to support Senator Lisa Murkowski's <laughs> campaign. Now you got Democrats supporting your campaign for the Senate. Uh, well, go figure. Yeah, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out because she's the squishy, wishy-washy one that many times votes like a Democrat. So of course they would try to to knock the conservative out. So, yeah. So let's continue on though. And when we talk about this, we also have to realize how important our history is as we look into the future, and that's why we do America's Veteran Stories. And last week we had Henry Tagmeyer. World War II veteran uh, as our interview. And this week we'll have a part two of Fred Weiss, uh, World War II uh, B-17 bomber pilot, 35 missions. And so it is so great to hear these, um, hear these voices, hear history from people that were living it. And it is a great honor to bring that to you. And it's on KLZ 560, 3 to 4 p.m., and then uh, Charlie runs, uh, producer Charlie runs three different um, America's Veteran Stories each weekend. So our, our newest one is 3 to 4 p.m. on Sundays. Then the last week's is rebroadcast 10 to 11 on Sundays. And then the previous week is 10 to 11 on Saturday. So you can hear all three of those on America, uh, America's Veteran Stories on KLZ 560 and all the KLZ platforms, which is KLZ 560. K AM KLZ 100.7 FM, the KLZ website, and the KLZ app. So be sure and check that out. Uh, our quote for today is producer Steve selected this one, and it's by Plato. Plato was born in probably 428, 427 BC. He died in 348, 347 um, BC. Don't do it. No? I, know, I know what you're thinking. Don't go there. Okay, okay never mind. Hold on. I wonder if that's backwards. Uh, never mind. Anyway, he's an ancient Greek philosopher. I've got to think about that. I'll think about that later today. An ancient Greek philosopher, student of Socrates, teacher of Aristotle, founder of the Academy, best known as the author of philosophical works of unparalleled influence. And this is what the quote says. It says, the price good men pay for indifference to public, to public affairs is to be ruled by evil men. That maybe seems kind of like where we are right now, Producer Steve. Sure describes Colorado. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, descri it describes America right now, too. Well, yes. Uh, you know, on, on the grand scale, it's, it is the country across the board. We, you know, as long as I've been working with you, we have been pleading with people to become a little bit more aware. Not, you know, you don't have to spend your every waking moment seeking out the news uh, and you know lord help you <laughs> to find real news but you know just to become informed a little bit if you're standing at the gas pump and you're watching the digits fly by 
and you're, why in the world is gas this high? There is a reason for it, and you really do need to know what it is. And it's because of public policy. And uh, right out of the box, uh, I mean, Joe, Joe Biden did tell the truth when he said that he was going to actually... Uh, try to shut down the end. Um, it's one of our listeners said, call it natural fuels instead of fossil fuels, because um, we have uh, new oil and gas, he said, uh, permeating through the ocean floor, even as we speak. And if we unleash creativity and innovation, like what happened with hydraulic fracturing, as well as horizontal drilling, what happens is, is we are sitting on um, vast reserves of oil and gas. And as Rick Turnquist, one of our essayists and a, a free, frequent guest says, it's foundational to our, our American life, which, gosh, we take it so for granted. We live like kings here, and we take it for granted. And now we see this World Economic Forum Davos Elite's agenda. They want to, to, they want to live um, fabulous lives, but they don't want everyday people to, to. And so they've had this war on our natural fuels, and uh, people are waking up, I think. But let's go to break. We'll talk about some additional headlines in this next segment. Bob Boswell, CEO of Laramie uh, uh, Energy, is our guest. And uh, I thank them for this show because uh, Laramie Energy and Carousel Oil and Gas are sponsors of this show. And we talk about the benefits of hydrocarbons and how they've made our lives better. They, they contribute to better health, better well-being. So we're going to go to break. We'll talk with Bob in third and fourth segment. Um, but we'll talk about some more headlines in the second segment. Stay tuned. The Metro home ownership real estate market is very tight right now. That's why Kim Munson recommends you have seasoned REMAX realtor Karen Levine on your side of the table. Karen Levine will help you navigate through the many details of your home buying experience so that you can successfully pursue your American dream. Because Karen Levine cares about property rights for each individual, she volunteers hundreds of hours to represent home ownership opportunities at the local, county, state, and national levels. If you are considering buying or selling your home, call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Monson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim dot com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Something's a good idea. You shouldn't have to force people to do it. I wanted to comment on um, uh, Republican uh, candidate for governor. Heidi Gunnall has uh, tapped Danny Moore as um, her running mate as lieutenant governor. And I know Danny. Um, I don't know him well, but I, I know we know a lot of the same people. And I think he's um, very respected. And, um, you know, so I want to congratulate him uh, on that. I think that that's great. But he's a, a successful businessman. And he is um, black, and um, um, 
anyway, I, I want to wish them the very best on that. I find it somewhat interesting when you've got Greg Lopez over here, who was also running for governor, who has been working very, very hard in reaching out to the Hispanic community, and he's Hispanic. Um, it seems like strategically that might have been a good place to uh, uh, um, ask for lieutenant governor just because of the, the mix, the demographics of Colorado's population, Steve. Oh, yeah, no no question there at all. Uh, no debate. But, uh, when, you know, these things... They, they work in kind of nebulous circles sometimes. It's tough to, f- to figure out their strategy. Right. And I found this so interesting. This is from Denver 7. It says, Colorado Republican gubernatorial candidate Heidi Canal announced Monday that Danny Moore, the Navy veteran and businessman who was removed as the chair of the Independent Congressional Redistricting Committee over election conspiracy posts, will be her running mate. The announcement that Morris Ganahl's pick for lieutenant governor comes after she said on a news uh, radio program on July 1 that the lieutenant governor pick was a very strong Hispanic leader from rural Colorado. And a Colorado politics story that was later retracted identified that pick as Los Animas County Commissioner Felix Lopez. And I had uh, actually found that really interesting. I was looking for that and did find that I found the Colorado politics story and then I thought it was retracted. And um, I just found that kind of interesting as well. So I want to say congratulations to Danny Moore. I think he's um, I think he's a good guy. Uh, but I also kind of find it interesting that report somebody was asked retracted same last name as Greg Lopez. You know, I, I think that there's just some very interesting political moves being made here in Colorado right now. Producer Steve. And the question is, who's at the controls? That's the question. That is the question. So continuing on, and we want to get over here to what happened in Indianapolis, or I guess it was in, in, in an Indiana shopping mall uh, near Indianapolis. And that was um, gun control advocates, a stunned man who allegedly shot Indiana mall shooter labeled as a good Samaritan. This is from Fox News. It says critics are lashing out after a man carrying a pistol stopped a mass shooting at an Indiana shopping mall, arguing the man should not be called a good Samaritan. The term Good Samaritan came from a Bible passage of a man from Samaria who stopped on the road to help a man who was injured and ignored, wrote CBS4 traffic anchor Joe Collar on Twitter Monday. I cannot believe we live in a world where the term can equally apply to someone killing someone. My God, that's what he said. Unbelievable. Here is a guy that uh, uh, actually stopped a guy from killing a whole bunch more people, and you've got this uh, traffic reporter. Is that right? Traffic reporter? Yeah, Justin yeah. Justin Kohler on uh, Channel 4. Yeah, uh, saying that uh, that's not a good Samaritan. I, I think, my gosh, the courage to step forward and stop a slaughter, I think that that, um, I think that that is a very good thing, and I would call him a good Samaritan. Well, let's tell the rest of the star- story, Paul Harvey. Uh, the guy, you know, the shooter, shooter original shooter was um, carrying multiple weapons had hundreds of rounds of ammo in his bag he was he was ready to to rumble now anybody who would stop that what else could you possibly call him i i would suggest that mr kohler really doesn't know you know what the story behind the good samaritan uh i agree and and to say what what was his words i cannot believe we live in a world where this term can equally apply to someone killing someone well okay look at the entire picture the scope of the picture Mm -hmm. i mean for the last 40 to 50 years we have been pushing away from our judeo-christian founding Mm -hmm. our morals our ethics our ideals our scruples 
you, where do you draw the line? <laughs> well, I'd like to know where Justin Culler sits on abortion then. If he, and I, I love the fact that he wants to stand for life. Um, but I just wonder where, um, where he stands on abortion. Would that be an interesting question? It would. I maybe uh, send him a note on his uh, company website. I think maybe I should put that on my to-do list. <laughs> I think I might do that today. What do you think? <laughs> I will let you know if I hear back from him. Okay. Uh, so, and secondly, then there was the whole thing on whether or not the uh, the per- the uh, Good Samaritan that stopped the shooter was uh, carrying uh, his weapon legally. It's like, this is the thing that is so darn frustrating. You have, and, and this is the exact, the exact example. Who stops a bad guy with a gun? A good guy with a gun. But there, we have all of these uh, rules and regulations that are that are being pushed down again from uh, these Davos elites regarding um, whether or not good people can carry a gun and have to jump through all these hoops. The bad guy's never going to do that. Uh, jump through all the hoops to carry a weapon or firearm. And uh, then the next question is the, the, whether or not the guy was carrying his um, firearm legally. It's like, I think we need to get out of the way and just let good guys carry guns because apparently bad guys can find them uh, very easily, which we've seen with all of these different shootings, Steve. <laughs> just go to Chicago and check that out. Yeah. No, no shortage of guns there for those guys. Yeah, that's true there. Um Let's see. The next thing I guess we'll just mention, uh, Nancy Pelosi. I mean, these people have no shame. Uh, Zero Heads just uh, reported that uh, she's a, she's supporting a $50 billion chips bill. This would be, I think, like the microchips. Hours after s- disclosing an $8 million in, um, NVIDIA stake. So she knows that they're going to put government money into this. And apparently, it says this past week, it hit the terminal that House Speaker Pelosi was doing a little portfolio rejiggering, including exercising $8 million of call options of NVIDIA and selling Apple and Visa calls. The data was per congresstrading.com and was reported on by Bloomberg. The NVIDIA uh, leaps were bought June 3rd, 2021, with $100 strikes set to expire June 17, 2022. And the position appeared to be disclosed on Thursday morning for the first time. $8 million trades seem a little odd for members of Congress to begin with, but who are we to judge? But then what did Speaker Pelosi do just hours after disclosing the trade on Friday? She threw her weight behind a stalled $50 billion Chips Plus bill that would provide $52 billion in funding for semiconductor manufacturing grants and investment tax credits for the chip industry. Pelosi said last week, we've been working constantly on the chips bill and we need to have transfer. I love it. They always bring this word out. Transformative nature of research and education and the rest to make us continue to be preeminent in the world. How it shapes up in the next short period of time, we'll see. But we are determined that we will pass this bill. It says Democrats are more interested in the chips plus bill than the chips only measure, Pelosi added. And then the comment from the... uh, author here is, yeah, interested in that and buying super yachts. Let us guess. The unrealized gains won't be supported by Pelosi until she cashes out of the market altogether either. I got two things for you. Uh, I'll throw out the acronym. You tell us what it means. SEC. Oh, the Security Exchange Commission. Okay. Conflict of interest. What? Why is this allowed to go on? And I think her husband had a a stand-up role in this thing. Why doesn't right. so he get nailed with one of them get nailed with conflict of interest for starters, 
And why won't the SEC act? Well, because actually, Steve, I think that there is a law that says that this is okay. There's a law that's been passed by Congress that says this is okay. Oh, so it's the so, old perverted golden rule. Them's that make have the gold make the rules or? Yeah. So that's why, my friends, with the American idea is that laws should be, um, inst- you know, affect everybody. When we talk, when everybody talks about equity, what that means is that we should all be equal under the law. So where is every, where is the ESG group right here on equity, um, society and government? Gov- I guess that's environment, societal, and governance. But equity is one of those words that they use all the time. What kind of equity is it that she and her husband can do that, but everyday people would be thrown in the slammer and fined? Well, equity is a word that, you know, like you just said, it gets a lot of play. And usually we don't find it very palatable because we're at the other end of the spectrum. We're saying equality of opportunity, not necessarily outcome. But here's a place where I'd like outcome to be equitable. (laughs) You mean that the law would be uh, applied equally to everybody? Exactly. Wouldn't that be a novel idea? And that actually is a novel idea. That is what uh, America is supposed to be like that we're all supposed to be equal under the law. The other thing is, though, is that the laws must adhere to this vision of the Declaration that all men are created equal with rights from God of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And, uh, and if, they're not, if they're not constitutional laws and they're unjust laws, then, first of all, we should not be electing people that will be passing these un- unjust things. We've, we've got to pull back this administrative state, and we're seeing some real positive things with that. And we'll be talking with Bob Boswell uh, here shortly with Laramie Energy uh, regarding this um, ruling by the Supreme Court kind of starting to try to rein in the EPA. But uh, Congress... Um, House of Representatives and the Senate has abdicated their responsibility by passing laws and then saying the implementation can be done by bureaucrats that are unelected and unaccountable. And speaking of that, we are probably going to see a couple of initiatives on the Colorado ballot, and very possibly they're going to be supported by Republicans that would actually, instead of, of having authorities that are accountable to to the people, accountable to the legislature. It, these would set up authorities that once they're set up, they're no longer accountable at all. And um, so we need to be very careful on that. We're going to have Natalie Minton on next week to talk about that. So let's go, go to break. When we come back, we'll talk with um, Bob Boswell about how hydrocarbons have uh, contributed to the flourishing of people across the globe and how there's been such an assault on that. However, we had... Um, Dr. Merrill Matthews on last week had a piece in The Hill. Uh, He's with the Innovation, the Institute for Policy Innovation down in Texas. And he said that because of these high gas prices, that the Green New Deal is dead. I would like to say that, however, it has its tentacles all the way down to local governments. So we'll talk with Bob Boswell about that and also about the Biden begging tour and a couple of other things. Stay tuned. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. 
for clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. Inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Individuals must understand what is going on. That's why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now, more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. Kim has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim can use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at Kim Munson. That's M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. Socialism ultimately comes down to force. It's not about free stuff. That's just the carrot to get you to vote for it. On the line with me is Bob Boswell. And he is the CEO of Laramie Energy. And uh, we've learned, and, and uh, thank you to Laramie Energy and Carouswell and Gas for their sponsorship of the show. But abundant, efficient, affordable, and reliable energy fuels our lives, fuels our prosperity, and it helps people across the globe. It's been under assault by this agenda of the Davos elites. The veil is now off on this, and that's why we need to continue to... Um, bring truth and clarity to this. So, Bob Boswell, welcome to the show. Good morning, Kim. Uh, Last week, we had Dr. Merrill Matthews on with the Institute for Policy Innovation out of Texas. And he'd written a piece uh, that was in The Hill that said, uh, rest in peace, the Green New Deal. And I am excited about that. um, But I feel that the policies of the Green New Deal have its tentacles throughout states and counties and local governments. What's your thoughts about that, uh, Bob? Well, I think the Green New Deal was used as a political weapon. It was used to create fear, uh, unrealistic uh, predictions of catastrophe within 10 years. Uh, And uh, when you have an organization uh, that does that simply for political purposes, Uh, I think it's wrong, and the Green New Deal has done that. Uh, It's uh, advocated policies, many of which have been uh, enlisted in the federal government and the state governments, uh, which have increased the cost of energy and decreased the rate of development, uh, all for the wrong reasons. I think, as you've said, it's uh, the veils off. People are seeing the errors of their way, particularly Europe, which unfortunately... uh, uh, has Germany is a good example, embraced uh, the Green New Deal, uh, the, those policies of wind and solar, which are a supplement and part of a energy equation, but certainly not a replacement, made themselves vulnerable um, uh, to not having reliable and affordable uh, energy. And we're seeing that right now. And Germany, in reaction, is now reopening coal plants. Uh, they are looking for support for um, uh, gas coming from the United States, 
and other countries, and the price of natural gas uh, in Europe is probably uh, oftentimes much 10 times what it is in the U.S. Um, we have, because of our resource base, because of our technology uh, development in the U.S., have been able to develop our resources uh, responsibly. Uh, yet, uh, and our, our costs are lower, but we're all part of a global market, and so these uh, costs and expenses uh, for energy uh, around the world have risen dramatically, and it's affected our prices. Well, it, it used to be that the risk in the oil and gas industry was whether you know in the exploration whether or not you'd uh, get find you know find a well that would be a producing well or not. But now the real risk is rules and regulations, and uh, and and we're seeing the effects now of it. And do you feel that they've overplayed their hand as um, gas, that the gas pump has gone up so significantly? Do you think that they've overplayed their hand? And uh, because in um, Dr. Matthews' piece, he said that the, those that have been proponents of the Green New Deal, what their goal has been is to make... Um, energy so expensive from our natural fuels. And Bob, I, I think I put that in my email to you. We, we had a listener that called in and said, let's not call them fossil fuels. Let's call them natural fuels because they are natural. And I kind of like that. So I guess before I get down that other rabbit hole, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I think the earth is endowed with great resources, natural resources. Is this person properly identified? And it's a matter how we develop them and the impact of that development on society. Uh, frankly, the development of uh, oil and gas, where we're drilling wells that are you know, anywhere from 3,000 to 15,000 feet below the surface off very small pads, uh, is a, a good, uh, a safe, economic way to develop these resources. You might recall that we were uh, near, uh, nearly independent on our oil and gas uh, production uh, uh, during the Trump era, and that since then the new regulations have come in that have uh, dissuaded the development of our indigenous resources, and that's caused prices to increase. Well, and what has happened, though, is it really hurts everyday people. And yesterday we reported on the uh, CPI, the Consumer Price Index, was up 9.1%, which that's staggering, but it doesn't include food and energy in that price. And it's and uh, we looked at the reasons. One of the reasons they said is that food and energy are staples that everyday people need, and so they're going to buy them, which I think that's a little unique ex um, explanation because people know that uh, inflation really in their pocketbooks is more than 9.1% uh, when they look at these staples such as food and energy. And this higher energy costs. We had uh, Representative, or excuse me, Senator Jerry Sonnenberg on yesterday talking about um, rural Colorado and uh, our our livestock and our farming industry. I mean, you, you raise the cost of inputs, you raise the cost of diesel so much, it's going to have a ripple effect at the grocery store. Uh, and, um, and people are really going to hurt because of this, I think, Bob. Well, oil and gas uh, and fossil fuels underlie um, most of the development of various products that we use every day. Uh, and so the impact of the increase in those prices is, is dramatic uh, throughout the chain of products that they uh, are, are part of. So 
it's not surprising that when energy goes up that other prices uh, throughout the uh, uh, chain go up as well. It's a it's a common it's a essential element of production of most of these products. So how are well how are we going to get this turned around, Bob? Well, I think we need to have policies that encourage supply, not dampen demand. I mean that's you know we're going to try to use um, fiscal policy to affect. Um, uh, to affect demand. We're going to try to use monetary policy to affect demand. What we need to focus on is let's let's focus on policies that encourage the development of our resources. Let's look at the supply side. I mean, the, the, the cruelty of this current policy and this focus is that it really hurts those people that can afford energy the least. And that's not right. It needs to be changed. Uh, and we need to look at a, a comprehensive policy that allows us to develop our our resources uh, independent of other countries. Uh, and the government needs to start thinking of the U.S. as a, a sovereign nation that is in a competitive world, just like business thinks of things. And we need to think about what puts us as a country, as a nation, in the best position to help our our people. And then we... To the extent we can do that, we can reach out and help others around the world by sharing our technology, by sharing our ideas, by sharing our ability to develop their resources. Well, and, you know, to that point, you and I have talked about it several times. We need to have really honest conversations about... you know, about what is happening. This idea when they, they make renewables, wind and solar... Uh, hold that up um, to high esteem. And as you mentioned, Germany had tried to move to renewables, and now here they are dependent on Russia. And uh, it's, it's not working out very well right now for them. And so you, you mentioned that they're turning their coal plants back on. But um, Patty, our researcher, found this. This was from Catholic News Agency. It says, testimony, it says, China-backed cobalt mines in Congo is exploiting 40,000 child workers. And it's forcing them to work under hazardous conditions to mine the cobalt that powers electric devices and electric cars. Witnesses at a congressional hearing on human rights violations testified this week. And this seems like this should be a headline that Americans, if they really knew that, I don't think that they would really um, stand for the fact that uh, kids in the Congo are being used to to mine um, resources for these electric vehicles that... Uh, are, are really pretty undependable. We we talked about it the other day. Apparently, Tesla had sent messages to their their drivers in in Texas to charge their cars at certain hours um, because of the the potential grid ch- uh, challenges down there. And this is Texas that sits on a lot of resources. But I think I think we need to make sure that we have the complete picture on energy, not just what uh, some of the pundits want to push, Bob. Well, I think you look at these rare earth minerals, and 70 to 90 percent of them are mined outside of the U.S. We have these rare earth minerals in the U.S., uh, and they're not mined because of the different constraints and regulations we have on licensing a mine. Uh, I think some 70 to 90 percent of our rare earth minerals, as much as 90 percent in some instances, come from China. And if people understood how these uh, rare earth minerals are uh, developed, they would, I think, have a different uh, uh, view on the uh, the value of this type of uh, battery development. Uh, for example, uh, you take uh, lithium, it's about a thousand pounds has to go into a, a car battery, 
and you have to move 500,000 pounds of earth to get 100,000 to get 1,000 pounds of uh, of lithium. Uh, you do the math on that, you couldn't even power the U.S. Uh, federal uh, government vehicles uh, without several trillion uh, uh, pounds of earth being moved to uh, to serve the uh, federal government vehicles alone, uh, much less the nation that I think has somewhere between two and 300 million vehicles. So it's just not realistic, and we're beginning to see this. We're beginning to see the fallacies of, of these different policies, and it's the veil. It's being lifted, or there's a, an awokeness that's going around, uh, not only nationally, but I think worldwide. Yeah, and it's and, and this awokeness is different than being woke. We want to make sure that people it's a it's an awakening. And uh, before we go to break, Patty had uh, pulled this um, headline, which I found really interesting. It is from Fox Business. It said a Florida fam- family. Um, found out that the replacement for electric cars battery would cost thousands of dollars. Says Avery Sawinski is a 17-year-old whose parents spent $11,000 on a used Ford Focus electric car, which is a 2014 model and had about 60,000 miles when it was bought. Uh, And that's according to KVUE. It says the teenager had the car for six months before it began giving her issues and the dashboard was flashing symbols. She said it was fine at first. I loved it so much. It was small and quiet and cute. And all of a sudden it stopped working. And so they took it in and they found out they needed a new battery. And the battery would cost $14,000, which was more than they paid for the car. And then they found out that the battery is no longer manufactured. So their $11,000 is worthless. And I think that it's important, and we have Lauren uh, fix on the car coach pretty regularly. And I think it's important that uh, people have an honest conversation about the cost of these car batteries if they're going to re um, Re, uh, replace them in addition to what you just talked about is all the rare earth minerals that have to go into it. Your thoughts on that, uh, Bob, before we go to break? Well, I think that just is an example of the life of a car battery <clears throat> is only about 10 years uh, on average. And that this uh, young lady had bought a, a car she was excited about, not realizing the cost of replacement of these batteries. Um, and that's, that's an issue with electric vehicles. Well, and um, definitely, and I think many people that have electric vehicles actually have another vehicle. So I've got to think down in Texas, many of these Tesla drivers, because Teslas are pretty expensive. Uh, they probably have an, a gas-powered car that they're going to go to the gas station and fill it up so that they can uh, continue to have their freedom of mobility. So let's go to break. Before we do that, though, the nonprofit that I have adopted is the USMCMemorialFoundation.org. And uh, they are raising money to remodel the Marine Memorial out at 6th and Colfax. It was dedicated in 1977. It's time for a remodel. And, my friends, it's so important that we honor those that were willing to give their lives or uh, – did give their lives for our freedom. And, of course, this is our time now to step forward and protect our American idea. But be sure and help them out. You can buy a brick uh, to honor your military service or your loved one's military service, uh, or you can just donate. That uh, website is usmcmemorialfoundation.org. That's usmcmemorialfoundation.org. We'll be right back with Bob Boswell. Hey there, Colorado. For over 100 years, informed consent has been a standard in medicine. But is it still? Informed consent, simply put, means the patient should have sufficient information and all relevant facts regarding the pros and risks associated with that treatment, procedure, or experiment. 
If you're concerned informed consent was not honored in your last medical treatment, including vaccination, you are not alone. For support and questions regarding your situation, visit Colorado Healthcare Providers for Freedom.com. Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. With the right training from Franktown Firearms, anyone can improve. The professionals at Franktown meet you at your current level of experience, gauging your level of confidence so that they know what kind of training to recommend to you. After you purchase your firearm, regardless of the level you're at, Franktown will encourage you to train. They maintain a comfortable atmosphere, encouraging improvement from any level with one-on-one training and private training up to advanced training and classes. They even offer a concealed carry certification class. Franktown actively avoids the corporate model as a family-owned, operated, and family-friendly environment. They give everyone the time of day, meaning that they emphasize the importance of training in a comfortable and inclusive environment. Franktown Firearms wants you to be as invested in improving your skills as they are in their training with you. Sign up for a course today at klzradio.com franktown. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And my friends, we are realizing the veil is now off on these terrible policies and what they are doing to um, our great, our great uh, uh, modern American life. And one of the bedrocks of our, our thriving, our prospering, our well-being is affordable, reliable, efficient, and abundant energy. And that is why we continually work to educate people. Uh, about that because it has been under assault for quite some time but the veil is off on what the actual effects of that are we're seeing that at the gas pump we're seeing biden who is uh telegraphing that there's going to be food shortages that there's going to be blackouts and brownouts you know and bob boswell said in the last segment something about um public policy we should be encouraging supply instead of trying to reduce demand and when we talk about narratives, do we want to be creative and innovative? Do we, do we want to encourage supply or do we, we want to, um, you know, reducing demand means that our lives change significantly. So thank you to Bob Boswell and uh, he is the CEO of Laramie Energy and Laramie Energy uh, and Keros Oil and Gas, our sponsors of the show. So Bob Boswell, we do need to encourage more supply. And here we have Joe Biden 
one of the first things that he did in office was to discourage supply by shutting down the Keystone XL pipeline. Now he's over in Saudi Arabia. I'm calling it the Biden begging tour, asking them to sell us more oil and gas. Um, it's it's rather remarkable to me, Bob, what is happening with Biden. Well, it is. And unfortunately, uh, we have a president of it's called the Saudi Arabia's the pariah state, has said there would be no more fossil fuels. Limited leasing has done a number of things to discourage development of our resources in the United States. But it's not only the federal government. You know, in Colorado, we've had a series of regulations put in, some of which are positive, uh, and they're always constructive, but some of which have gone overboard. And uh, part of that, uh, you know, our governor said that we would – uh, not have as uh, rely on fossil fuels as much by 2035 in the state of Colorado, when we're endowed with rich resources and have low prices and and uh, and reliable energy. Yet they're doing right now an example financial assurance, uh, which is every uh, oil and gas producer has to pay uh, so much uh, in for every well, while we already have a state fund um, that the industry uh, contributes to some 10 million dollars fund to take care of uh, financial assurance issues such as orphan wells. So it's belts and suspenders, it's duplicate regulations, it's over-regulation, all of which quells energy development. People, you know, Biden says, why don't we drill? Well, he, <laughs> the reason we don't drill is he's, uh, he's uh, labeled this as an industry that is going, he's going to put out of business. So I don't know if you're a business leader that you can sit there and say, we're going to take a lot of shareholders' money and reinvest when... Uh, we have a, a president that's trying to put our industry out of business. And so that's been another strategy, though, is the capital markets to make it difficult for the oil and gas industry to access capital to go out and explore and develop uh, oil and gas, natural resources that, uh, again, make our lives better. And uh, But people, I think, are starting to understand that. And, of course, this election that's coming up in November is super important. That's the way for us to make the change on this whole thing, Bob. Well, I think that's exactly right. These um, policies are threat of policies that permeated the capital markets. Some uh, institutions are virtue signaling. They're not going to invest in fossil fuels anymore, uh, even though fossil fuels are the bedrock of our energy production in the country. Um, so it's affected that. It's also had the capital markets demand a return on ca- a return of capital, which means the less money will be reinvested in the development of these resources. So these policies permeate the entire economy. We're seeing the results of it. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we can turn the ship around, but we've got to have someone in that understands the energy physics, the need for reliable, affordable energy, and what we can do to develop that. Not discourage it, but encourage it. Again, let's look at the supply side. Uh, let's try to increase it as opposed to dampen the demand. Uh, most definitely. And the other thing is, is we can turn this around, but it can't be overnight. Uh, as they're shuttering, uh, Excel is is um, shuttering many of our coal-fired plants here in Colorado. And you can't just flip a switch with our, our oil and gas development, but it can be ramped up pretty quickly, can it? Well, it can be with the right uh, policies in place and the encouragement of development. And coal has a place in energy. It's an important resource. And technology plays an important role in how do we, uh, how do we manage uh, the emissions from uh, coal production 
and uh, firing as a, a source of uh, electrical generation. Uh, we've addressed a lot of these in the uh, oil and gas industry. I know the uh, coal industry has too, uh, and those are all things that need to be uh, considered. And also, we need to understand that this is a political tool. CO2 today is about 400 parts per million. The Earth dies at 100. CO2's nature's fertilizer. The Earth thrives and greens at 1,000 parts per million. So uh, we need to have clean air. Uh, we can have clean air and, and develop and burn fossil fuels to generate energy uh, more affordably and more reliably than other technologies that are currently exist. Well, and uh, we have just about three minutes left, Bob. And I think it's important that people understand that the policies, it's just odd that um, we have leaders here in America that are trying to shut down our oil and gas and coal industries. But since China is still noted as a developing nation, they're building coal, coal plants so that they have reliable, efficient, abundant, and uh, affordable energy. And if, 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 in fact, that's affecting the air so much, it seems like across the globe we would have these globalist elites that would want to be um, regulating things in China as well. So I think what people really need to understand is what you've said several times, is this is a political thing. It's not really, I think, about uh, making people's lives better. It's a political move. Your, your final thoughts on that, Bob? Well, I, that's exactly right. It's a political move. I think the World Economic Forum is one of the more dangerous organizations. Uh, they have an elitist group out of Europe that are running it. They're move, trying to move the world towards socialism. I don't know of one example where socialism has worked. People need incentives to develop. We've got some 7 billion people on the earth, I believe, and I think about 4 billion of them are out without basic energy. So we need to be focusing on how do we help the quality of life on these developing or undeveloped countries to do it cleanly as opposed to burning wood and dung and other things that they're doing now to uh, supply basic needs of, of heat and, and cooking. So there's a lot we can do. It's just a matter of let's focus on supply, let's focus on what is best supports human flourishing and not about some um, windmill we're fighting on climate change that we can transition in and uh, into over a period of of decades uh, and get to uh, the cleanest possible production of energy uh, around. And it will depend on uh, further development of other technologies as well as improving uh, the technologies of emission capture uh, out of burning of fossil fuels. Well, and so what we need to do is unleash um, creativity and innovation. Uh, regarding these uh, challenges that we face. And I continue to always remind people that um, what Jimmy Carter said, that we were going to be out of oil and gas within a decade or so. And then the industry rolled up its sleeves, figured out hydraulic fracturing, uh, horizontal drilling. And we were, as you mentioned, almost energy independent uh, during the Trump era. So, Bob Boswell, I so appreciate, uh, I always hear from our listeners, how much they appreciate uh, your perspective, and I appreciate your sponsorship as well, and that's Laramie Energy and Karis Oil and Gas. Thanks so much, Bob. Thank you, Kim. And our quote for the end of the show is from Plato. 
And uh, he said, to begin is the most important part of any quest and by far the most courageous. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. That seems to me like government is establishing a religion. The latest in politics and world affairs. If you give people rights, women's rights, gay rights, whatever, there can't be equal rights if there's special rights. Today's current opinions and ideas. Surveys show that that people still really prefer freedom versus force. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed. Let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Something's a good idea. You shouldn't have to force people to do it. And my friends, it is never compassionate to take other people's stuff, whether or not it's their rights, their property, their freedom, their livelihood, opportunity, or their life via force, whether with weapon policy, unpredictable and excessive taxation, fear, coercion, government-induced inflation, or the World Economic Forum Davos Globalist Elite's agenda, which the veil is off on what they are up to, and it is making everyday people's lives worse instead of making them better. And if we encourage supply, if we look at creativity, innovation, um, order, um, those are the things that we need to strive for. So anyway, welcome. It's great to have you here. And thank you for listening. You're each treasured valued. You have purpose. Today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, we were made for this moment, uh, so don't be discouraged. Uh, realize that we are at our time in history, and thank you to this team that I get to work with. That is producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Jen, Echo, Charlie, and all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. And yes, Steve, we were made for this moment. It is, uh, we're at a time in history. It's unbelievable with what we see happening. You know, I, I've told you I recently uh, viewed a... Well, it's a three-episode uh, documentary recently produced on Pearl Harbor. Now, you think maybe they told, you know, we know all there is to know about Pearl Harbor, and that's not true. But uh, where I'm thinking, though, is what you say every morning when we start the show, we were made for this time. And the narrator of that special said that, you know, just five minutes, ten minutes before the attack commenced on Pearl Harbor, all those guys, whether they were on duty or not, it was the mundane. It was the... You know, it was the routine, and that quickly changed. But being made for a specific time, that's very significant. Well, two things. First of all, we have the blessings of the mundane. And hadn't really looked at it. Um, A friend of mine uh, who's since passed on, he he actually, I would say, was a big Christian mentor for me. He was a, a scientist. Uh, and he, he graduated from Stanford in the early 60s and became a Christian then. And... Um, he, he he was just, I just learned so much from him. But it was in one of the classes we talked about the blessings of the mundane. 
And that's when we have plenty, when um, when we have plenty of food, when we have plenty of energy, when we're at peace in our lives. Uh, we don't realize just what a great blessing that is. And all of that is under assault right now. And this assault has been coming through the administrative state here in America uh, for many, many years. I would say that um, it really started to ramp up in the 90s. So it's going to take a while to get this uh, this thing unwound. But the recent Supreme Court decision regarding West Virginia versus the EPA, that was a big thing to actually start to rein in these administrative bureaucracies. But then also my friend, we're going to have her on on Thursday, Charlene Carter, who actually sued the um, Southwest um, Flight Attendant Union and won because she was fired because the union leaders had used union money, union dues that's forcibly taken from uh, well, I guess if, if you decide that you're part of the union, then you're saying yes. But also, I think others have to pay into it as well. And they were using that money to go to pro-abortion rallies and also to push the pro-abortion narrative, which that was antithetical to Charlene's beliefs. And so she challenged them on social media, and um, she was fired for doing that. And this has been five years to, to fight this, but she was recently awarded five, a uh, little over $5 million. So we're going to talk with her about that. But again, these things take time, five years to get through this. But I am seeing justice. I'm starting to see some justice. I'm seeing glimmerings of this American idea being resurrected. And when we talk about the blessings of the mundane, in some ways, it's like, have we been living on the benefits of these fumes of freedom as people have forgotten what freedom is? And I, again, I think there is an awakening to what is at risk. And um, on, the other, on the other hand, the evil is really doubling down. So let's go over here to your quote that you suggested, Producer Steve, from Plato. Did you go to school with him? Don't go there. <laughs> Okay, yes. Uh, he is an ancient Greek philosopher, a student of Socrates, a teacher of Aristotle, and founder of the Academy, best known as the author of philosophical works of unparalleled influence. And this is what he said, the price good men pay for indifference to public affairs is to be ruled by evil men. And that is where we are right now when we look at uh, what is happening at... Uh, uh, in Washington, D.C. right now. There's there's good men there. There are good men and women there that are standing up against this. But right now, when we look at the assault of the the, the puppeteers that are, are handling the, the Biden administration, and many of them are the same names that you'll see from the Obama administration. And um, and in, in a way, I, Trump, I, I know Trump has the personality, and, and, and I don't agree with him on everything. However, the Trump era, uh, everyday people were thriving and, and prospering, and uh, energy was abundant, and it was uh, affordable. Everyday people had almost $6,000 more in their pocket. Now there's a news story that Patty pulled that inflation is costing people uh, $6,000, almost $6,000 more. So that's a $12,000 swing. $12,000 is a lot of money to our middle-class families, Producer Steve. Well, Victor Davis Hanson said in our last uh, meeting with him that it was becoming more and more existential. In other words, it's impacting your existence. $12,000. You can't be impacted much more than that. 
well, um, well, okay. (laughs) That's not a challenge. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So one other thing before we get to Pam Long and she's written a really interesting piece and that is, um, it's, it's regarding cannabis, and I have it's what conservatives need to know about medical cannabis. And uh, we will be rolling that out as one of our essays this week. And it'll be a really interesting conversation because I have to admit, Steve, I'm pretty ambivalent typically about cannabis and marijuana. I don't know that much about it. So it's going to be really interesting to talk with her. She's a, a um, former captain in the Army Medical Service Corps. She's a West Point graduate. And so really an important perspective. And she's one of our essayists, which I greatly appreciate. But Let's see. I think before we do that, oh, I know what it was, is is this uh, shooting in Indianapolis or outside of Indianapolis. <clears throat> and uh, there was a good guy with a gun that stopped a bad guy with a gun there. And many people are calling this good guy a good Samaritan, which I would as well, because he was protecting innocent people. He was helping innocent people. And I think that that is really the biblical um the biblical view when and others in in the story of the good samaritan people that you thought would have would have helped didn't and then the the good samaritan comes by and he helps this guy that was beaten and left by the side of the road he was protecting an innocent person and the same thing happened uh in the shooting this weekend is a good guy with a gun stopped a bad guy with a gun and we've got this young traffic anchor in one of the stations there in the Indianapolis area challenging whether or not that uh, the guy was a good Samaritan and whether or not that that term is being used correctly because he killed someone. And so I said in the last segment, I said, I just want to find out where this young guy feel, uh, stands on abortion because I do appreciate that he appreciates life. But here, a good guy with a gun preserved a whole bunch of lives, which I think is a great idea. But abortion has killed 65 to 70 million children. So I want to find out where he stands on that. So I just um, sent him a, a reply via Twitter, and we'll find out. I'll let you know tomorrow morning if I hear back from him. So let's go to break. Uh, before we do that, though, Hooters Restaurant is uh, one of our great sponsors, and they become business partners. It's a, a really interesting story, and you can find that on my website. It's a story about free markets and freedom and um and and, and uh, it's just really an interesting story. So check that out. But they have lunch specials every Monday through Friday, eleven to two a.m. No, two eleven a.m. to two p.m. And uh, all kinds of great specials: nine dollar items, ten dollar items, eleven dollar items. Great place to get together with friends and watch sporting events. And that's Hooters Restaurants. We're going to go to break. We'll be right back. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. Inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Individuals must understand what is going on. 
That's why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now, more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. Kim has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim can use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at Kim Munson. That's M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Something's a good idea. You shouldn't have to force people to do it. And thrilled to have on the line with me uh, Pam Long. She is uh, writes essays for us, uh, really important pieces. She is a uh, graduate of West Point, a former captain in the Army Medical Service Corps. And she's written this piece, What Conservatives Need to Know About Medical Cannabis. Pam Long, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Kim. I have to admit, Pam, that I'm somewhat ambivalent about marijuana. Uh, I know that there are conservatives that are very concerned about uh, legalized marijuana here in, in Colorado. I've I've had a mom on that said that her son, after um, uh, using some marijuana here, and I can't remember what she called it exactly, but she actually lost him to suicide, and she blames marijuana. And... Um, I'm concerned that, you know, I think people should have freedom to make their decisions, but I think they need to be responsible for those decisions. So here in Colorado with the legalized marijuana, people coming here, not working, uh, living off of government programs, that doesn't work for me. So that's kind of where, where I am. Clearly, I probably don't understand medical cannabis. So, you know, help somebody like me understand this. Okay, you're at a great starting point. So first of all, there's three main false beliefs surrounding the urban legend of what people call marijuana, even in its name. The name marijuana was created by lobbyists against um, hemp back in the 1930s. And it was it was intentional to be a um, scary drug name, negatively associating it, the plant with the Latino community. And the propaganda that went out at the time was to say that if you use this plant, your children would be taken over by addiction, crime, murder, and suicide. And this is laughable to people today who understand um, medical cannabis, like myself. And um, But unfortunately, generations are still stuck in this level of education. So two of the other aspects of this urban legend is that we, we only stigmatize cannabis for as people who are irresponsible, right? Um, but you can over-medicate on any medication. I can over-medicate on Benadryl, over-the-counter. I can become, you know, basically I should not drive, like many medications that have warnings about their effects and using heavy machinery or driving because your perception and your reaction times are impaired when you're using those drugs. Uh, if I take IV Benadryl, I will laugh uncontrollably. This is, you know, like being high, like intoxicated. But it can save my life and prevent an anaphylactic, you know, allergy. So, and lastly, the toxicity. I think that's the big part that people, like you just mentioned, this family who believes that their their 
son died due to cannabis. If we're talking about the same case um, that was involved in uh, legislation in 1317 of 2021, um, no cannabis was actually found in the autopsy. So, and, and if I could address that toxicity pieces, there is no acute toxicity level in cannabis. Now, you can mix it with other things that are toxic. If you're getting some type of street formulation that has been um, extracted by toxic chemicals, then you could be poisoned by those toxic chemicals. And if, you know, it's illegal in the United States to market cannabis to young people, to minors. So if you're, if, if a teenager shows up in, in, in they're sick and you think they've used uh, marijuana with, you know, cannabis, um, and it says, you know, the packaging says some type of like name, like tricks or airhead, something marketing it to children. That is 100% some toxic chemical from China, black market, and we really do need to educate our first responders in our emergency rooms that it's not cannabis. We need to run a toxicology report. This kid's been poisoned. Okay, so is there a difference between cannabis and marijuana? (laughs) Yes, there is no such thing as marijuana. marijuana. The plant name is cannabis, and there is no plant named marijuana. We call Lobbyists going back to the 1930s, we're talking about uh, DuPont from the petrochemicals, plastics and paint industry, Hearst from paper industry, Mellon from the oil industry. They got together and said, we need to demonize this hemp product, including the medical uses of it, which pharmaceutical companies would join them in later. Um, And we're going to call it something we're going to demonize it and give it a scary name, and we're going to call it marijuana. So anytime you see the word marijuana, you're using the lobbyist name for cannabis. But what about these comments that say the marijuana of today is not the marijuana of Woodstock? Is, is, is that true? <laughs> well, you know, that is a really good question because source matters, right? So my son uses medical cannabis. And just like any treatment or product or drug that you would use for any person, the source matters. So, you know, I'm making sure that where we source his medicine, his cannabis medicine, is medical grade, using the same standards that any pharmaceutical drug would use, that it's organic, that it's third-party tested, that it's clean, um, that it doesn't have um, some of these toxic extraction processes involved, like chemical solvents. We're using CO2 in particular for my son's extracted medicine. Some people use clean alcohol. So, you know, you're doing your homework and you're buying a product from a reputable source. Okay, so reputable source. Um, uh, again, legal, I guess, and you, in your piece, you said medical marijuana versus, uh, you know, here we have legalized marijuana here in Colorado now in many of these different pot shops. And um, my guests that have been on, I've, uh, you know, well, it's been several months, uh, indicated that there's things that people can buy legally over the counter now that are like, I think, kind of look like candy, like jellies. And then there's some other thing. I can't remember what it was, but but that there's toxic, toxicity there. But if they're buying it in a legal shop, um, address that for me, Pam. I'm, I'm kind of not understanding okay. that. Yeah, people 
don't understand dispensaries. And I would encourage people to go to dispensaries and ask your questions. So, and, and read the reviews from the customers on the dispensaries. So I do this all the time with people who come from out of state because we don't want to make this a taboo. We want to educate ourselves so we can educate our friends, families, and young people. So um, going into a dispensary, there will be different forms, just like any pharmaceutical drug. The delivery mechanisms can be inhaled. They can be ingested. They can be, it can be an oil. It can be a salve, um, some type of topical. Um, and, you know, there's different names for all these things. Um, oh, and, you know, you can vape it in a vape cartridge. So um, you want to match the delivery mechanism to the ailment. If I have lung cancer or a respiratory disease, I might choose an inhaled version of medical cannabis. If I, um, you know, have more of a systemic disease, then maybe my doctor recommends an oil or something ingested. Now, when we are talking about these products with um, edibles and concentrates, um, you know, you really need to read the ingredients because, I mean, just yesterday, the, you know, the government came out and said that Skittles are toxic and should have never been approved for humans to eat. We're talking about a candy that millions of children have eaten. So we really need to be better consumers or if you are going to ingest any type of edible, whether it's Skittles or some type of cannabis product, what else is in that product and where did it come from? Cause, because, again, is it coming from a locally grown, you know, third-party verified um, business here in Colorado, or is it coming from China and it doesn't even have cannabis in it? It's some toxic chemical. So people that are coming to, I'm thinking of like ski towns, people co- that come to, young people, so we're going to say, you know, college-age kids that come to, to Colorado to ski, they, they're, they're not probably doing that kind of research when they walk into a, a pot shop, are they, uh, Pam? So, I mean, do they have some risk? I would hope anyone that's trying something new, they don't know the product, they don't know their threshold, um, almost like you would approach, um, you know, any drug, alcohol, um, that you would have a knowledgeable friend with you. You would ask questions You and you would be cautious. And so there is actually, just for peace of mind, there is a very well-known product called Undo. And what this does is it's geared for tourists who come here and maybe jump in without knowledge and without good informed consent. Um, and they, they get a little too intoxicated. Again, you can over-medicate from anything. Um, but all it does is it brings you down. That's it. Either, you know, this the new, uh, you know, demonization of cannabis is to say that people get psychosis. That is not in the medical literature. For It's not established with our drug enforcement agency, that psychosis in cannabis. Now, if you've ingested something else with unknown ingredients, maybe there could be some psychosis. So really we need to, um, we need to know what we're getting ourselves into. We need to take a knowledgeable friend or a knowledgeable doctor, a knowledgeable, you know, recommendation on a dispensary selling quality products. Um, But uh, yeah, some people can get over intoxicated just like many other substances. Okay. Uh, And before we go to break though, is because I had seen a headline that, uh, and this was several 
months ago, I think, that there were people that actually died because they had uh, used marijuana that had been laced with fentanyl. So that was probably something that was purchased illegally. Yes. or I mean, again, those headlines scare, scare me to death. Well, I mean, you have Heidi Ganahl out there on the campaign trail in her Truth and Liberty interview telling people that Xanax coated in fentanyl, which is a prescription drug coated in a street drug, is the same as marijuana, which is a plant. Um, the, the you know social media groups are just voicing backlash against these types of uninformed statements made by several conservative candidates. Um, and, and we really need to think about those uninformed. They're not the same thing. And um, people who hold medical freedom as their single issue voter basis will not be voting for candidates who make those types of uh, stereotypes and uninformed comments about cannabis. Okay. Uh, once again, I don't understand. What was it that she said? She said she was talking about a, a fatality caused by Xanax coated in fentanyl which is clearly not how Xanax comes when it's prescribed to someone that's antidepressant. Um, But it had been coated in fentanyl. And so if you're taking a drug from a friend, first of all, you 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 should be cautious about taking a drug from a friend or a stranger that didn't come prescribed to you in the bottle. Um, And she compared it to marijuana. Um, Oh, I see. Okay. She's been on the campaign trail talking about how horrible it was to, you know, Keep the pot shots open during the pandemic. And for a lot of people, med- medical cannabis, even purchased at a dispensary from a recreational source, is their medicine. These are ailing people. Well, I think the, the whole bottom line on the, all the shutdowns is it should not have occurred. The idea Absolutely. that uh, this, uh, this governor and, of course, he's trying to distance himself from the bureaucrats that he appoints that put forth these um, policies. But we should never have ever had a government uh, or PBIs, as I call them, politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties that could come in and say one business is essential and one isn't. That's so antithetical to freedom. So uh, I know that my questions seem so novice on this, but um, I it's important that I'm trying to get to an understanding on this as well. And so Pam Long, um, one other thing before we go to break, uh, you mentioned that your son, uh, you use um, medical cannabis for him and he, and he has medical issues that, uh, you know, you're as a mom, you're really doing everything you can to help him live his best life. And I think, uh, would you address that just a little bit, Pam, before we go to break? So yes, um, a lot of parents um, with kids with developmental disabilities and autism spectrum disorders, encephalitis, they're at risk for seizures. And families have medical refugees have moved to Colorado to get access to medical grade cannabis because not only can it stop a seizure, it can prevent a seizure. So when when candidates and conservatives are out there talking about the pot shops and cannabis and how irresponsible it is. I want them to know they're talking about families like mine, and I'm a conservative Christian who keeps my son alive using cannabis. It's a lifeline, and I am not irresponsible. I'm informed, and the other users tend to be veterans with PTSD who are weaning off those harmful opioids. Okay. Thank you for that clarification, Pam Long. And we are talking about uh, medical cannabis. The title of her uh, essay that we'll be publishing this week is What Conservatives Need to Know About Medical Cannabis. This is Pam Long. Uh, She is a West Point grad, a former captain in the Army Medical Service Corps. And uh, we'll be right back. 
Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Uh, On the line with me is Pam Long, and she has written an essay that we'll publish this week. uh, And it is What Conservatives Need to Know About Medical Cannabis. And... Pam, I have a lot of friends that have said that one of the reasons that uh, Colorado has has moved to um, supporting Democrats is because of this marijuana issue and uh, that that people that, you know, young people that have moved here, um, you know, vote blue. Uh, Does that have anything to do with it? Because I noticed that here you you talk in the piece about. Uh, conservatives that you say get it wrong. And I know that there are many people that have blamed the, the demise of Colorado on marijuana. So address that. Okay. So first of all, medical marijuana was legalized in Colorado in 2000. And then what we call adult use or recreational was legalized in 2012. So for the current rhetoric to say that marijuana is causing the current mental health crisis, which was caused by the lockdowns and keeping people out of their schools, churches, and businesses, is not resonating with independent voters. We are literally shooting ourselves in the foot with saying things like that. So do Democrats understand cannabis better than conservatives? 1,000%. And I will give you an example. So in 2021, there is a bill, uh, uh, 1317, and Democrats were able to deceive Republicans to go along with it, alleging that a young man had died from cannabis when his autopsy report said he did not die from cannabis. Um, And you can test urine and hair. Um, He did have mental health issues, and I want to be compassionate about that. Um, And then they used that person and they used that bill to say that this bill was going to protect teenagers from high-potency THC and marijuana. It actually did not do that at all. And Republicans signed on. And what it does is it created a requirement of prescriptions, which makes it federally illegal for Colorado doctors now to write medical recommendations for cannabis because it is still a Schedule One drug federally. So what it did is prevent families like mine, many conservative families um, with disabled children from accessing medical cannabis. And why would the Democrats want to do this? Well, because they want to protect the pharmaceutical lobby on the new products that pharma wants to sell you. So it, it, pharma, 
pharma has a patent on cannabis as of 2003, right after the state started legalizing. And they want to sell you their version <clears throat> called Epidelios, which costs about $1,000 for 60 milliliters, where you could buy an organic product here in Colorado, locally grown, supporting Colorado businesses and farms for $80 for 60 milliliters. So these Democrats, they want to sell you the pharma version for 10 times as much, and they want to restrict it. They want to make sure you have to go to one of their doctors and get a prescription for it um, because they know that it works. Let's read the patent, for pharma's patent on cannabis. The cannabinoids are found to have a particular application as neuroprotectants. For example, <laughs> in limiting neurological damage following ischemic insults such as stroke and trauma, or in the treatment of neurodegenerative diseases, such as Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, and HIV dementia. The Democrats and pharma know that <coughs> cannabinoids can stop plaque forming in the brain of Alzheimer's patients, can prevent cell death in the brain. This is the most potent antioxidant that we have in medicine. And what we have told conservatives is that Reefer madness, your kids will all become addicts and will lose their jobs and will be living off of welfare. And we keep believing it. Well, when we see the homeless on the street and and uh, many people say it's because of addiction. Um, I mean, that's how that narrative gets going, Pam. Well, you can over medicate on anything. You can over medicate on beer, wine, Benadryl, cannabis. I mean, but the only one we're stigmatizing in this scenario benefits pharma. Pharma wants you to believe that. Pharma wants you to believe that marijuana is bad, it's causing unemployment, it's causing homelessness, it's causing all these things. And we as conservatives need to engage that we are being taken for. Okay, so then just backing up, what you're saying is that Big Pharma has a product that is cannabis based or is cannabis um but then this goes to what we talk about all the time as big business and big government like each other because then they can control the markets and put the little guy out of business so that's what we're seeing here you nailed it right there that is that in a nutshell that is the entire cannabis industry okay so um Conservatives now. You do you remember that that uh, last year, the um, ballot question. Now I can't remember the the exact number, but it was the ballot question where it would be a new tax on marijuana, and it was going to be for the children. It was going to be for an after school program, and. Yeah. Um, I took a look at that. Well, actually, Patty, our researcher, somebody sent that over to her, and she took a look at it, and we were able to get out on it early. Because we had uh, many influential Republicans that, uh, and I know that some of them thought if you tax marijuana more and more, then uh, that will reduce the demand for the product, which I made the case that I really felt that that would move much of that demand to illegal um, distribution of the product instead of through legal distribution. Um but what I found so interesting is uh, actually the campaign was being run by a uh, um, large Republican operative firm 
Uh, and uh, I, But what we looked at it, it's like it's antithetical. It was antithetical to the American idea that we would put in place an authority that would be in charge of all of this tax money. They could raise taxes. They could accept gifts. But the authority was not accountable to the people. It was not accountable to the legislature. Um, and it was not a, a, accountable to the Board of Education regarding the results of the after-school program. And the fact that this governor would appoint those board members, those board members would choose their replacements. That's why we came out against it. Um, but again, it was, I think that the marijuana industry has been a bit of a, a place where um, PBIs go and, and look at it as a big cash cow as well. Your thoughts on that? Well, you know, in general, I'm against what what we um, as Christians and conservatives tend to fall, take the bait of what I call sin taxes, where you know, we had a cigarette tax, tobacco tax on the ballot several years in a row where we wanted to tax those bad people who smoke cigarettes. And um, first of all, those would tend to be people who are, you know, addicted to nicotine. It's very addictive. And it just penalizes people on low income, right? They're just, you know, big tobacco got them addicted. And now we're just going to take more of their money instead of investing in programs to get them off of, you know, a nicotine addiction. Um, the same could probably be said for opioids. You know, in the future, we could see a sin tax on opioids where pharma got people addicted and now we're going to punish them with a sin tax. So I think those uh, cannabis taxes or what they call marijuana taxes, they're, they're sin based taxes where we, we want to make people pay for their, you know, their irresponsible lifestyles and um, conservatives tend to go for it. Yeah, let's punish people. Um, which I say that as a conservative that, um, you know, what we what I'm really advocating for is walk a day in the shoes of someone who uses what we call recreational <laughs> cannabis. So I went to a dispensary with a friend during the um, lockdown and these were sick people who were waiting outside in the sleep six feet apart cause, because of the conditions of the lockdown that only one person could be allowed in to the sensory at a time. These are people get seeking t- cannabis for anxiety, pain, Crohn's <laughs> disease, MS, um, neurodegenerative disorders. These were not people looking to get high. These are people who use what we call recreational cannabis because one, they can't afford the multiple doctor's fees and application fees that are required. Again, more hoops to jump through because of big pharma um, in their legislation it, to get a medical card. So they're using the dispensaries and what people call recreational. But what they're really doing is they're trying to also avoid the state registry. We've, co- we've created a registry that almost makes you a criminal for using medical cannabis. Again, which can stop plaque from forming in Alzheimer's. This is medicine. Um, and these people are not getting high. They're, it's, it's, when you hear recreational, I want you to replace that term with right to try. These are people who are desperate to be in relief of chronic pain and other symptoms. And they have tried everything else and it has failed them. And they are willing to go wait in line in the seat six feet apart with an armed guard at the door to get something that helps them with their pain. And you know what we should do? We should, I should double down. I should say we should give cannabis users credit because Polis did want to sh- uh, shut down cannabis shops during the pandemic because they weren't essential. And the cannabis community, they rallied and they got those dispensaries open in less than 24 hours. We didn't see that with our churches. We didn't see that with our small businesses. 
So maybe we have some things we can learn from the cannabis community and how they advocate for themselves. Wow, that is a really interesting point. I did not know that. And yes, to that point, I've been frustrated that our churches didn't stand uh, stand up on that and, again, our small businesses, so we can learn from that. Uh, Pam Long, how do you want to button this up? I would button this up with to say that we, for the in 2022, after 10 years of, I mean, me personally working for grassroots support to get medical freedom on the Republican Party platform. We finally did that in 2022. And if you support medical freedom to reject any vaccine or any drug, then we must also support freedom to access alternatives like cannabis. Okay, Pam Long, thank you so much. And again, that essay will roll out this weekend. I greatly appreciate it. We're going to go to break. We'll be right back. Want to hear from you. There's a lot to talk about. 303-477-5600. 303-477-5600. We'll be right back. The Metro home ownership real estate market is very tight right now. That's why Kim Munson recommends you have seasoned REMAX realtor Karen Levine on your side of the table. Karen Levine will help you navigate through the many details of your home buying experience so that you can successfully pursue your American dream. Because Karen Levine cares about property rights for each individual, she volunteers hundreds of hours to represent home ownership opportunities at the local, county, state, and national levels. If you are considering buying or selling your home, call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. In a healthcare setting, informed consent provides that you, the patient, will have a say in your healthcare plan. This collaboration between you and your healthcare provider applies to most medical procedures, including vaccination. Informed consent is a legal and ethical obligation of your healthcare provider and should include the benefits, risks, and alternatives regarding the proposed treatment. Informed consent is not just your signature, it could be your life. This message is sponsored by Colorado Healthcare Providers for Freedom.com. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N, dot com. With the right training from Franktown Firearms, anyone can improve. The professionals at Franktown meet you at your current level of experience, gauging your level of confidence so that they know what kind of training to recommend to you. After you purchase your firearm, regardless of the level you're at, Franktown will encourage you to train. They maintain a comfortable atmosphere, encouraging improvement from any level with one-on-one training and private training up to advanced training and classes. They even offer a concealed carry certification class. Franktown actively avoids the corporate model as a family-owned, operated, and family-friendly environment. They give everyone the time of day, meaning that they emphasize the importance of training in a comfortable and inclusive environment. Franktown Firearms wants you to be as invested in improving your skills as they are in their training with you. Sign up for a course today at klzradio.com franktown. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure to check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. And... um, 
Give me a call, 303-477-5600, 303-477-5600. And uh, my gosh, we've had so much to talk about. And I'm thinking about this conversation with Pam Long regarding medical cannabis. And like I said, when we first started is um, I've been somewhat ambivalent regarding this issue. Uh, and um, I, I, I am I'm concerned. I'm I'm concerned. It's like you can't have total freedom when we also have this entitlement state, because what happens is, is people are not responsible for their decisions. And in America, the American idea is is that pe- people have freedom to make their decisions, and they thrive and prosper, or they. Um, uh, make a, b- a bad decision and they need to redirect. And when you have a safety net coming in for people that have made, you know, bad decisions, then, and, and I'm not just talking about marijuana, I'm talking about across the spectrum. It could be financial, it could be um, just across the spectrum. Then, th- then I, we're, we're in a, I, again, I guess we talked about it earlier, Steve, how our freedom can be used against us. Because I, I have talked to parents that have said that their kids have gotten hooked on marijuana and they're not working, they're not being productive members of the society. But again, part of that could be where we're, we're seeing in our education system where, you know, we're not teaching kids to be responsible for their decisions. As you can tell, I'm kind of struggling all the, on this whole issue, Steve. Well, Rightfully so. Pam did a great job of bringing the history of this particular topic in terms of legalization of the medicinal side of it, and then as opposed to the recreational, which came on, what, 14 years later. And my thought is, like, man, you're you're kind of on the fence, and you, you can you imagine somebody you know, walking on the curb or on the fence where their arms are out and they're trying to keep their balance? This this one this is a topic that requires balance to you know to stay on the fence. Yeah, but the it's your, and I think to her point, which I did not um, realize this, and and big pharma, and and I kind of met Pam through this oh. whole medical freedom uh, journey that I've been going through. Is that I've realized big business and big government like each other. So big pharma is stigmatizing medical marijuana or medical cannabis, but yet they have a product that's a lot more expensive that could be prescribed. So, um, boy, there's some nuances there, Steve. Well, you're, you bring that big government and big business arm in arm out quite often, but this is a classic ap- application of that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, thinking about it, so, you know, Pam's um, son who has developmental um challenges and uh, has seizures and there's a product out there that she can get that is affordable uh, that will help prevent seizures and save his life well any parent is going to you know want to have accessibility to that not have government get in the way of that and I guess there's the other component of as the responsibility of each of us. But, you know, and when she mentioned, uh, you know, like a ski town, going skiing, going to a, uh, a pot shop there, having a, a responsible friend, she's right on that. The problem is, is lots of times there isn't a responsible friend and people are not asking those questions. So I guess that's where, uh, again, I'm struggling a little bit, Steve. 
Well, my daughter's uh, in the, on the nursing staff of CU Nursing School, and particularly working in um, neonatal areas and or NICU. And uh, another friend from church uh, is at a, a pregnancy center, and both of them are dealing in this realm of personal responsibility or, unfortunately, the, the lack thereof. And the things that they run across in, in, in a very critical health organiz- uh, environment, whether it be the mother or the child, the things they run into in terms of lack of responsibility, it, it's just stunning. So I am not going to be uh, blown, blown away or, or pushed aside uh, thinking that the people who are really behind this industry, all of them are just very responsible citizens. I, that just cannot be true. True, but that, I mean that—that's uh, the human, the hu- whole human nature. Uh, oh, there that there's that phrase again. Yeah, there's the whole human nature component of that, and so I think part of it is the education system. We need to be teaching kids to be be responsible for their decisions. You know, we have moved away from. Uh, of course, now uh, with the whole CRT thing, over you know sexualizing our kids, that's where we've been headed. We're, we've not been teaching that responsibility of uh, there is a responsibility, as Ben Martin says, liberty is the responsible exercise of freedom. So I really would want to protect Pam's freedom, her medical freedom to access something responsibly to help her son for sure. And so I guess that's one component of it. And um, I think to her point, what conservatives need to do is I guess we need to understand this whole issue uh, better. Then the other thing is, though, is we see that, that there are nefarious people who would use this freedom uh, against people. And we see that all the time as well. So as you can tell, yes, yeah, as you can tell, yes, I, I, I am struggling on this issue, uh, but I do believe uh, we come down on the side of freedom, medical freedom, and to her point, if we want to have medical freedom on what we put into our body, then I guess that this would fall under it as as well. Um, no debate. Okay, okay. Um, so I guess you know what? Let's uh, let's move over since we don't have anybody calling in right now. I'll just make a quick. Uh, comment and, and when we talk about, of course, this is the other thing I think we as conservatives need to realize is that the federal government has become the biggest drug dealer, uh, really probably on the face of the planet. And so when Nancy Reagan said we're going to have a war on drugs, yet here we had under the whole COVID thing, the federal government spending, um, one of our guests recently said over a billion dollars. I'm like, who's making all the money on all of these COVID ads about going and, you know, getting your vaccine? I mean, I'm going to have to think about this because I, I believe in freedom, but yet here we've got the government, that's the biggest drug dealer, big pharma is affecting that. Um, this is an, this is going to be a, um, head scratcher for me for a little while. Well, you're stealing my thunder because we saw in our, you know, the package that Patty sends, the the billion dollar uh, package that was just signed by the government to purchase from Pfizer and was it five, Pfizer's always the big gun. Maybe mm-hmm. Moderna was out there too and J&J. And then sure enough, you, you know, if you're watching ads on TV, you see uh, 
you see, uh, and they're sponsored by Pfizer, encouraging you to stay current on, on your boosters and all this kind of stuff. So they keep jamming that thought home. Yeah, they most definitely do. Now, we're just about out of time. I think I heard the phone ring. Uh, Steve, you're still on here. So um, I think that we've got a quick phone call. I don't know that we're, we're going to get to that, Steve, yes. or not. All right. Hang on a second here. Okay. I got a caller. Stand by. Okay. Okay. Here we go. It's going to be a quick one. Okay, who's on the line with us here? Marianne in Wyoming. Marianne in Wyoming. Uh, quickly, uh, we're about out of time. Okay, Steve, we don't have her. Okay. Last rats, I, wa- I wa- okay, rats. I wanted to hear what she had to say, but uh, we're just about out of time. Marianne in Wyoming, do this tomorrow during call-ins. Call in at uh, seven forty-seven, uh, so that we can hear what you have to say about this important topic. Because I want to know, uh, because I I uh, appreciate Pam's perspective on this. I'm I'm still struggling uh, a bit on this because just because of the whole big issues on it. Uh, but uh, greatly appreciate that and get uh, Marianne in Wyoming tomorrow. Please give us a call. And our quote for the end of the show, we talked about Plato. And uh, he said that to begin is the most important part of any quest and by far the most courageous. And uh, that is for sure. Just uh, getting up and, and making sure you take that first step is so important. So my friends today, be grateful. Uh, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, but live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you and God bless America. 